What up, what up? It's Wise Ones Entertainment TV, and we're in the building. Rest in peace to Michael K. Williams one time for me, man. Michael K. was found dead in his New York City apartment. Very unfortunate. All respects to the family, all respects to his children, all respects to his his wife or whomever his significant other may be. I'm sorry for your loss. Okay, let's get on right into it. Um, well, apparently he was found unresponsive with uh I guess some some drug paraphernalia around his body supposedly. So let's just take a look at this news clip because they can explain it a whole lot better than what I can right now. Breaking news we've been following tonight the death of actor Michael K. Williams. He was found dead inside his apartment in Brooklyn and eyewitness news reporter Lucy Yang is live outside his apartment in Williamsburg now with more Lucy. Well, David, family, friends, co-stars, and fans are reeling from the death of Michael Kenneth Williams today. We're in Williamsburg in front of the luxury condo where officials confirm the 54-year-old actor was found inside his penthouse apartment by a nephew around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Officials report there was drug paraphernalia around his body. The ME is on site right now and will determine if this was a drug overdose. His body has not yet been removed from his apartment. The Brooklyn-born actor grew up in NYCHA housing in East Flatbush. He went on to win critical acclaim for his many roles, including for his portrayal of Omar Little in the HBO hit series The Wire a gritty show set in the drug-dealing underworld of New York City. It may have been a little too close to reality if drugs did play a role in the actor's death. HBO just a few minutes ago released a statement warning the loss of their HBO family member of more than 20 years. Michael K. Williams was 54 years old. Damn, homie. That was my man's, yo. That is crazy. I never would have thought I would have heard that Michael K. Williams would have passed away this year, man. That's just something I wasn't even ready for, man. And just now, healing. We're not even over what happened to DMX at all. We're not even feeling this shit right now, man. This is this is insane, bro. It doesn't make sense. You know what's interesting to me is that, you know, it's like, it's so weird because everything started just happening around the same th time because, like, the there was three comedians just last week that passed away.
from a fentanyl and cocaine mixture. And um, this is something that's been happening pretty often lately. And uh, it's, 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 getting out of, it's getting out of hand, man. And uh, what's interesting is that right when this happened, you know, Raising Canaan, where's the 50 Cent show on Star? He, um, they, they have an episode about basically Canaan cooking some crack that, w- that was bad, a bad batch of crack. And uh, people started smoking it and dying around the city, including his cousin's uh, girlfriend and whatnot. So right when this episode comes out, it seems like this happens and, and stuff. So it's just very interesting to me. It's, it's very interesting. It's, it seems something something's not right. It's just like, you know, they're saying Michael struggled with drug addiction in the past and whatnot, which I never even knew that. I didn't even know he had a drug problem. I mean, considering his talent and the work he was doing, I mean, it was, it's almost like I didn't see it. I, I just, I didn't see him being on drugs. I didn't even know, you know, it's very, it's just so crazy that he played these characters and they, they came to life, like in, in a certain sense in his real life, you know, he, He's had he's got some real street ties, I tell you that. So he ain't no he ain't just no, you know, Hollywood actor or whatnot. You know, he he's got some he's got some street ties and stuff like that, but we ain't gonna get into all that. Man, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, yo. Um man, you know, I remember his saying from the wire, man, when he was uh playing Omar. And one of my favorite sayings he used to say is a man's got to have a code. You know what I mean? Once again, a man's got to have a code. So it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, I'm pretty sure he lived by that possibly in real life, man, because this is, it's crazy. It's like when a character gets bigger than you, you know, it's, it's almost like Omar is is real in a sense and he's not just a character you know you know like omar used to say it's all in the game yo it's all in the game yo let's see I'll kick back and see what's going on. Y'all saw that Raising Canaan episode, though? Let's get back to that. Um, it, it, it highlights this. It, it really does. It highlights, the, it highlights what happens when one experiments with certain kinds of drugs, possibly all kinds of drugs, and what can be the actual risk of doing that and possibly doing something or smoking something or shooting up something that will potentially kill you. So if y'all watch that episode, man, it really hits hard because when you hear about Michael K. Williams' death, it just starts to hit pretty hard, man. It really does. It starts to really settle and you ask yourself, man, like how could this, 
what is going on with the drug dealers killing their their their, their um, customers? I mean, it just makes you wonder, like, what in the what in the fuck is going on? Like, why would a drug drug dealer mix fentanyl with the heroin, then sell it to his customer, and his, the first time his customer does it, he dies like immediately? How are you supposed to make money if you're constantly killing off customers? If they die from the first time using your product? I mean, I'm not encouraging drug dealing. I'm not thinking that anyone should be selling drugs at all. You know, I believe that there's always another way to make it out here. But, you know, I'm just speaking. I'm just playing devil's advocate at this point and saying, if, you know, if if I was selling drugs, I wouldn't want my customers to die. One, it's a bad reputation. Two, they're not coming back. And three, it's 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 like it brings heat. You know, the, the feds and all that, agents and all kind of shit starts getting down when that type of shit starts going on. So it's just very interesting, like to see how how these celebrities are getting getting knocked off too, just from the drugs that they're doing. And you you would think that by them being celebrities, that they would have access to more premium drug dealers that where they didn't have to worry about that type of shit. Because you know, I mean, you're thinking, oh, these motherfuckers is rich. They should be snorting pure cocaine. Mom, what that? Nah. You hear what I'm saying? These motherfuckers should be. Doing drug, they in the limelight. They they they're making money. They're living their dreams. What what kind of drug dealer are they dealing with, where their drugs are are going to kill them? Because I I just don't see how that's happening unless they do too much of that drug. You know what I'm saying? But this this situation is not like that. And honestly, something seems off because Michael K. Williams, of course, if he's been a drug addict in the past and he's went through stuff. He knows how much he can do. He knows how much drugs is 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 in that he can take into his system. I mean, a lot of times these people learn their limits and learn their dosages. Some of these people dose themselves just like a doctor. So they're more drug addicts are more educated than you think. They're more educated on their how much they should use. It's just it's just like the movie Pulp Fiction, you know. With John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, he, you know, remember when what's the name? She, she, uh, Uma Thurman when she overdosed on cocaine in the bathroom, and they took her over to old boy's house. He was a dope fiend himself, but he also was a dealer. But he had all these medical books in his house and stuff like that, and he knew what type of shot to give her and everything. And they just brought her back to life, you know. So. When you start, you know, I know it's just a movie, but that's almost really close to real life because in real life, you do got, you know, these, these there's junkies that study everything that they're doing. So they know what they be doing. So what I'm saying is that Michael K. Williams, let's say he did do heroin or pills or something like that or cocaine or whatnot or heroin. And, you know, it, let's say that was the case. How could he be so... Um, like, does he? Did, did, are they purchasing from just random drug dealers or something like that? Like, I, I'm just trying to figure out what's the angle. Because if you're the brand, you're the money, you have a team, you're the actor, 
You're the famous person. You're the one that's got projects coming up. How does your team and the people around you let you just buy drugs from some random drug dealer? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make any sense to me. It it doesn't really resonate. It doesn't help me understand. It's, it's like the way I look at it, they should be having people who are professionals. Like they should be having niggas that's already like niggas that have their drugs and have scanned their drugs and lab tested everything that they've even that they're gonna put in their body. It doesn't make sense. If for them to be have this kind of money and have this kind of fame and have all these people around them, managers, agents, and people like that, where they could have actually tested the drugs that they're using or tested or did a, a, a kit on all these things that they're doing, and they could have basically saved their lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it just seems like more of a rational perspective. It, it really does. So, you know, I'm just, I'm a bit disturbed by this one, yo. I really am. I'm not really, I'm not really feeling this one, man. I, I'm not feeling Michael K. Williams being found dead, talking about fentanyl and heroin overdose. I'm, I'm just not feeling this one, man. And he just, it's just, it's something that pisses me off, man. Because something that just ain't smelling right. You know what I mean? So the question comes into, did Michael K. Williams die of a fentanyl overdose? Is it real? Did he die of a fentanyl overdose? Did somebody kill him? Did somebody poison him? Was he, was, uh, you know, there's, there, to me, you know, we got to do more speculation into this because we can't just write it off on just everything that we hear. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, let's, you know, I... It's just interesting. You know what? I don't normally do this, but let's see what the Breakfast Club have to say. I'm not a big fan of the Breakfast Club or whatnot, but I do want to hear what they have to say because, you know, sometimes they say stuff and it makes you go, huh, okay. So let's check out what they're talking about. Charlamagne the guy, we are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. All right, Yee, where we starting? Well, this was uh, devastating. Michael K. Williams was discovered face down and unresponsive in the dining room of his apartment in Williamsburg. They said there appeared to be heroin on the kitchen table, but that's not confirmed. So what happened was he was supposed to show up to an event on Saturday. He never made it, according to sources. A relative then went to his home on Monday, and someone called the cops to his address. They said there was a man who was unresponsive and feels cold. Now, he had openly talked about his past struggles with drugs, and he was pronounced dead at 2.12 p.m. yesterday. It appears that he had fatally OD'd. It was unclear how long he had been there. They said there was no foul play indicated, no forced entry. The apartment was in order. His longtime rep confirmed his passing in a statement. He said it is with deep sorrow that the family announces the passing of Emmy-nominated Michael K. Williams. They ask for your privacy while grieving this unsurmountable loss. So sad. Yeah, you know, he, he was very active in the community as well, not just as far as being um, 
an amazing actor. He also was an activist. He's from Brooklyn. And even just during this pandemic, we went to a dinner. He did this social justice dinner with young people who were impacted by the system, formerly incarcerated people, very high-ranking police officers, all of those things he did to cover topics like pay inequity, employment opportunities for black and brown women, and how that impacts public safety. Those things were super important to him as well. So I just want to say, I've been seeing all those pictures that people have been posting, and you can see he's touched so many people's lives by the way that they've uh, posted about him, spoken about him, how many people know him personally and have worked with him both on and off camera. Yeah, sending condolences to that brother, Michael K. Williams, and his family, man. You just never know what people are going through. That's why I'll be sending folks healing energy, because you never know who needs it. All right. And we are going to get a uh, past interview on with Michael K. Williams this morning for you guys. All right, and today also, uh, well, yesterday, expanded unemployment benefits that have kept millions of Americans. Man. So y'all hear that? According to the Breakfast Club, there wasn't much foul play, according to the Breakfast Club. Hmm. It just, you know, every time I listen to the Breakfast Club, I start to get some chills. I start to get the goosebumps. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, I know they're saying that there's no foul play, and I know normally people say that and all that stuff when they don't see any signs of that. But who who said it was foul play, though, for you to just jump out there and say it wasn't no foul play? You know, it just kind of, you know, I go and listen to all the other segments and things, and I go and listen to, you know, some of the things that were said about Michael K. Williams. And as I come through, not many people are saying nothing was done. You know, people just kind of saying he died and, you know, they found, you know, paraphernalia around them. That's the main thing. But it's like the Breakfast Club just jumps out there and says, well, there's no harm. Make sure we let you know there's no foul play. So we just want to let y'all know that. You know what I mean? So it's just something that makes me go, mm, okay. So uh, let's see what's going on. This makes me look like what the, you know, yeah, makes me... Okay. Well, we got you know we'll you know rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, man. Rest in peace, y'all. You did your thing, man. And it's, to me, you're gone too early. And this is just very unfortunate. And you know the thing was he played. He played DMX on stage, and I don't—I mean, honestly, he could have been DMX in a movie or something like that. He was really good. I mean, he—he he gave me DMX vibes in a sense. I mean, he kind of didn't sound like DMX to me, but he did kind of capture DMX to me, like in a way that I don't think anyone else could. So I don't—you know—I think that he, with voice coach and just listening to DMX's music for a long time. And just working on it in practice, I think he could have played uh, DMX so well that you would have thought that DMX didn't go. You would have like literally. I think he could have pulled a Jamie Foxx from uh, Ray. You know, he he seemed like he was setting up to do that because that was an incredible move he did on BET. It was 
it's really dope that Michael was doing that and showing uh, reverence for the brother DMX, man. And rest in peace to DMX too, man. Rest in peace to the three comedians that died last week from a fentanyl overdose. Rest in peace to all those people, man. Uh, you know, I wish I would have just got one more chance to make one more better decision so you would be alive today. You know what I mean? Okay, let's go. It's Wise Ones Entertainment TV. We in the building, man. And today we ain't even doing no too much cussing and stuff, you know, because it is in respect to those that are falling out here. So I just want to say, I know I normally say it's Wise Ones Entertainment, you know, and I always say that, you know, but at this point, you know, I'm going to be respectful to the memory and loved ones of Michael K. Williams, you know. Rest in peace, buddy. I hope you up there, you know, making movies and still plotting the the next move you're gonna make up there with the good old Lord. You know, it's just it's sad, man. Let's let's check out some uh other footage to see what's uh fifty cent is getting backlash for dissing him after his death. And um I guess them two has some beef. I don't even really, I guess, you know, I don't know. I don't even really want to go there right now. Let's see. Uh, let's see what, they got some kind words to say about him. It looked like they got Bubbles and uh, the girl that played the cop, Kima, on the wire. So let's see what this, let's see what they're talking about. I'm chilling. He, he had enormous advocacy off the screen as well, right? Using his his fame to draw attention to issues. Uh, criminal justice reform was a big no, one, a big one for him. And, and uh, New York Times quotes a childhood friend of his, Daryl Wild, who, who called him a prophet of the projects uh, in his advocacy. 
And I wonder if that resonates with, you, with either of you. Yeah, I mean, it resonates with me because, um, you know, I, I met Michael in 97, you know, in Brooklyn. And, you know, he always, he always spoke of, you know, how excited he was uh, to get a chance to maybe, you know, with this, you know, new platform as far as the acting is concerned, that he would be able to, have, you know, show a path for his, uh, his brothers and sisters out there in Brooklyn uh, that they can, you know, have a way out and have a way to uh, be heard and be and be seen uh, through uh, the arts or, or, or through speaking out and stepping on, uh, stepping in front to speak the, about political um, issues and not to be afraid, not to be afraid to uh, step in front and, and speak on it. You know, with the scar that he had caught, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have, um, would have shot away from being in front of the camera, but not him. He just saw it as a badge of courage that the scar didn't stop him. And, and and I think he he knew that him being every time he was in front of the camera, or any time he would have had. I just had to pause it right there. That was amazing. What Bubbles just said about him. It, it, that was just amazing. That that was amazing right there. You know, that that's key word, man. He wore his scar on his face as a badge of honor. And yeah, that was that was deep. I had an opportunity to speak that he was not speaking just for himself. He was speaking for a lot of people behind him uh, that you know that didn't get a chance to speak or, or don't have a chance uh, to be heard. So he took that very seriously, and hopefully we you know we'll we'll continue to. Uh, remember him for that and, and, and know that he definitely, definitely wore it as a badge of courage uh, that he was uh, speaking with so many people. Okay. Well, it seems to be the detective Kim Griggs is just stuck on pushing this LGBTQ shit Hey, shout out to y'all, man, but Jesus, it's like they got to quit shoving this shit down niggas' throats so much. It's like, damn, can Michael K. Williams, to me, he played a lot of great characters. And yes, Omar was gay. And you know what? That was profound and, and, and profound that he played such a character. And yes, he did bring light to different types of character that were gay, but it's just like, yo, you know, she's really pushing the issue on that when there's so much more to just talk about him basically pushing the gay. The only thing they want to zero in on about Omar from The Wire is the fact that he was gay. It's like, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, when I watched The Wire as a straight black man and I watched The Wire and I see the character Omar, I mean, yes, I'm aware that he's gay, but I'm not necessarily zoomed in and focused on that. I'm looking at everything else that Omar's going through. You know, his sexual orientation is not what interests me that much. You know, I don't, it's like, that's just a layer to his character. That's just a part of who he is and his personality. So, uh, 
you know, it it doesn't really strike me as like a way that, you know, the way she's kind of, you know, interpreting that, you know, I'm not saying she's wrong and I'm not saying trying to attack her and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with, you know, you know, showing love to the LGBT community, you know, shout out to y'all, but it's just like every single thing is laced in this agenda. Hold up, y'all. I got to get my daughter. Yes, Kenya. Okay. Yeah. But it seems to be like everything is laced in this agenda, and uh, it's 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 like, you know, we we can have like, you know, we can have these conversations and everything, but and yes, you know, it's just like they zoomed right in on that. You know, it's like they don't. It's like there's so much more to the character of Omar than just him being gay. You know, we can put that out there too, but it's just like, okay, let, what about all the other things about the character Omar? So, and everything. So, you know, the question is, did Michael K. Williams die from an overdose of heroin and fentanyl? Oh, fentanyl, that's the question. So we, we're going to end it on that. It's Wise Ones Entertainment TV. I thank y'all for listening. Y'all have a blessed day. Rest in peace to DMX. Rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, man. Y'all stay safe out here. I'm out.